how I could speak to you about this prayer Jesus gave to us about how to pray. We began that last week. If you were here, you'll know that. I've been thinking a lot about what people pray. Like, what is the content? And I know that's a little off, but it, it has relevance in where we're going here today. Um, and I thought about some of the standard prayers that sometimes people pray, or the way people pray. And I thought actually of a, a children's prayer uh, that some of you may have been taught as a child. I don't know whether parents still teach this prayer or not, but it's, it's this prayer. And I want you to think about the words in terms of the what it is that people pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Anybody recognize this one? Oh, yeah. Okay, there you go. And then it says this. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. And I started thinking about this prayer that we teach the little two- and three-year-olds. The first part's okay. Take care of my soul, God. And then we, then we have them pray, if I should die before I wake, I pray, my soul, my, I pray the Lord my soul to take. God, it could be that I don't survive the night. <laughs> I might not wake up tomorrow morning, and I could die, and I pray that if I kick off in the next 10 hours that you'll take me to heaven. And I began to think, you know what? That might not be the best prayer to teach a three-year-old. You know what I mean? <laughs> no wonder those kids have nightmares and wake us up in the middle of the night. I thought about people who don't necessarily know Christ and the kind of crisis prayer they pray. You know, you, know, you hear about that once in a while, that people who, who probably rarely pray of ever, they get themselves in a real gem and all of a sudden, God, save me, I need you, God. And, and, and I thought of those two young guys who were caught in the elevator as it was flooding in Toronto a week or so ago. Now, both of them mentioned in the news clips that I heard that they had prayed, and they could be very sincere Christians, and they could pray all the time. I don't know, but when the water's rising in the elevator and you've got this much time left, you start praying. Right? <laughs> it's a crisis prayer. God, help me. Help me. Save me. So whether it's a young child praying that God will take him to heaven just, you know, when they die, or whether it's somebody in a crisis situation crying out, to, to the Lord to come and act for them. Very often our prayers have this sort of content. God, here are my needs. I need you to act for me. Bless me. Come and act to help me out. And I tend to think even for followers of Jesus, that's the, that's the kind of content. It's probably the way most of our prayers are oriented. You know, you think about your own prayer and, and reflect on that reality. But you know, when Jesus comes to teach us how to pray, um, there's something that he says right after the beginning. Our Father uh, in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we, you know, he, he, he causes us to, to locate our prayer in the context of a deeply loving relationship. The fact that we have a Father that we can call Dad and his eye is upon us and he knows our every need and, and he's going to love us, right? He's going to take care of us. Last week's sermon. Then he comes to this statement, your will be done no, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I, again, I want, us to, I want to move as well beyond familiarity because familiarity can just blind us to the reality of the, the truth that's in the scripture. And I want to suggest to you there's something about that sentence that, that should shock us, that, that should just come, uh, you know, like a thunderclap into our minds and just boom. Because it is so contrary to the way we normally think and the way that we 
uh, even pray. Because the focus is not on me and my need, whether I'm a little child needing to get to heaven in a hurry, whether I'm a man in an elevator and I'm about to drown or whatever the circumstance might be. The focus is entirely on God. Your kingdom come, God. This is the, this is the beginning of the asking. You know, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, your kingdom come. And then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you back up a sentence, what does it say? Hallowed be your name. May your name be revered across the world. It's all about him. And it's not about us. Now, for anyone here, does that start of, sort of strike a contrast to the way that you normally pray? Um, the reality is that we... You know, we, we, are, we have this human nature. And, and generally speaking, the way that human nature guides us or moves us or impacts us is, is you know, even in our prayers, is our prayers are about me and it's about my will and it's about my need and God, will you act for me? <laughs> and that's not how Jesus says to begin your prayer after you acknowledge who God is. think of it in this way maybe our prayers and I want to make you know a little bit of light of this but maybe our prayers should you know um, accurately be portrayed as this you know what I really want God hallowed be my name I want everybody to look at me and think I'm okay <laughs> as a matter of fact I want others to revere me and, and be impressed by me that's the human nature playing out and may my kingdom come because quite frankly I'd like to be the king and I'd like to get things done the way I want them done. And I want people to serve me. And may my will be done on earth. Because I want what I want. And God, by the way, could you give me it? That's, th there's a stark contrast here, my friends, to what we might naturally in our human nature pray. So when Jesus says essentially the opposite of this, yeah, it's a shock to the system because what Jesus is doing, now listen to me, is inviting us into a radical reorientation of our lives. Again, this prayer is part of the Sermon on the Mount, which is an invitation into a radical reorientation of life. Jesus says things in this sermon, Matthew 5 to 7, they're shocking if you take them seriously, like literally shocking. And this is one of them. See, Jesus is saying, this is what I want you to want. Um, this is what I want you to pray for first, not last. And the reality is that either we live our lives with, if you would, ourselves at the center and God peripheral to the center. Think of us sitting on the throne because we're a king wanting our way, getting... And God's peripheral, and he exists to serve our needs. We ask him, God, will you give me this, and will you give me that, and will you give me this? Or... We put God at the center. We put Christ at the, on the throne, and we're peripheral to him, and we exist to serve his purposes. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I want to ask you today, how do you pray? And not more than that, how do you live? See, we're to be here for him. Somehow our pride... It's just there in us, causes us to actually think this life is primarily about us until the day Jesus, by his spirit, breaks into our lives and opens our eyes and reveals, can I call it today, the kingdom reality and the truth of who we are and who he is. 
And in that moment, we begin to recognize that I'm not to be central, but Christ is to be central. And that what he wants us to pray is for his will to be done and for his kingdom to come. And that that is to be our priority in life too. Now, as we mentioned last week, we can do this because we have a father who will take care of us. We don't have to prioritize our needs or even our wants. You know, later in chapter 6, uh, this same chapter, Jesus, Jesus actually says that God knows what our needs are before we ask him. And essentially saying, you know, as he does five times, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, because you've got a dad who's looking after you. But then he finishes that teaching, and uh, close to finishing the chapter in, in uh, Matthew 6, 33, with these words. But seek first what? His kingdom and his righteousness, which is his will, of course. And all these things that you are worried about, they'll be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom. Make this your priority. Make this your passion. He'll take care of all the rest. You don't need to even worry about it. See, our focus, our passion, our prayer is to be on the kingdom of God and God's will being done. And that is a radical prayer. Now, what is this kingdom? We've talked a lot about that uh, over the last few years, actually. But let me put it to you this way, that everything, everything happening in the way God wants it to happen. God's kingdom come is everything happening in the way God wants it to happen in this world and all who are in it. Becoming what God wants it to become. We've talked before about Jesus' rule and reign. He is the king. He has this set of laws which is rooted in love. And of course, they're spelled out in the Sermon on the Mount and otherwise in the Bible. He's the king and his way is embraced. That's where the kingdom exists. His way is lived out. It's pretty clear that, generally speaking, isn't happening in our world now. Would you agree with that? Sometimes it does, you know. But a simple look within ourselves, I look within myself and I see a, a power called sin at work. And you understand that's what sin first and foremost is, right? It's not breaking a law here and there. Sin first and foremost in the Bible, New Testament particularly, is a power at work in me. It's living and it's real, causing us to do things that are contrary to what God wants. Leads us to pride and self-centeredness. Leads us to greed at times. It leads us to lust. I was at a conference this week. I don't talk about lust very much, but maybe I ought to, but there was a speaker who told us, and I think these are U.S. statistics, and let's not assume we're a whole lot better in this, but six out of 10 internet searches, do you know where they go? Pornography. Six out of 10 internet searches are pornography searches. I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> and we wonder why women are abused and mistreated and disrespected? In this culture, one in five telephone searches are moving toward pornography. That just, that just comes out of a human dynamic before it is, is transformed and made new in Christ and the power of sin overcome. Sometimes it's materialism, the love of things and the love of money. Sometimes it's a hatred and a violence that takes place. It's in us. I was going to cite this morning the shooting on the Danforth, you know, Greek village in Toronto a little while ago. And then they even go back further to the van attack on Young Street in North York where many people were killed. After this is written, now I've got a new example. The Fredericton shooting. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. It's not there yet. 
It's not there yet. It, and you see, these things rise out of a human heart. That must come from hatred and, and anger, and it, 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 it expresses itself in violence. What about our, our country? You know, sometimes we see good things. I love being part of a country that prioritizes peace. We as Canadians don't run toward war, do we? It's not our first inclination. As a matter of fact, it's our last. Do what we need to, but we don't run toward it. I'm proud of that. Jesus said, be peacemakers. But, you know, you, you look at our world, governments, and I say that in the plural, have been passing laws in our country for a while now that, are completely, that completely disregard the will of God and the rule and the reign of Jesus. Whether it be gender issues, as they're called now, or abortion or euthanasia, I mean, you could go on and on. God's will is not being done in many ways in our land. Um, look at the world at large. You know, people actually blame God for things that he someday will eliminate and, 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 and never has wanted, war and famine and natural disaster, all the result of the fall of humanity into sin. Let me put it this way. I want you to think about this. God is a huge visionary. God has this vision for what the world will become. Um, and it's going to be dramatically different because his kingdom will come in its fullness when Jesus returns and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me read to you Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. These are great verses. Speaking of that reality, when it happens, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. How many, how many of us are longing for that day, huh? I am. <laughs> it goes on to say, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And then this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That is the kingdom come in its fullness. That is what God is at work to produce in this world someday. You hear the, did you hear the words? The reality is that, you know, someday the old order will be, will be gone. What's the old order? It's what we live in right now. It's what I just described to you. The old order will be gone and the new one will have come that dynamic that god will create all the effects of the power of sin gone evil destroyed and my friends i want to tell you we will be changed we will be changed so that our desires for wrong will disappear and we will only desire what is right and good you know, as we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it'll just flow from us as naturally as sin sometimes flows from us now. There will be no war, there will be no famine, there will be no violence, there will be no poverty. Anything that causes crying or pain or death will have ceased to exist. Natural disasters will end, greed will be gone, lust will be gone, abuse will end, addiction will be no more. And there will be no crying or pain, the suffering will end. This Philippians says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then God's name will be hallowed, my friends, by everyone, revered. Old Testament's all over this. The lion will lie down with the lamb. Nature will change. Swords will be beat, beaten into plowshares. You know, instruments of violence. 
and death will be changed, transformed instrument, into instruments of food production? This world is going to be changed. So God promises. What Jesus says as he starts into the asking portion of his prayer, which is teaching us how to pray, he's saying, my people, pray for this. With all of your heart, pray for this. And by the way, it's not just for when that day will come in the future, but it is for now. In increasing measure, pray that in the here and now, the kingdom will come in power and that God will act so that his name is honored and so that his kingdom comes and so that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to tell you, my friends, as we pray this, in a, in a very real way, you know what? We pray for ourselves. Because what we are praying when we apply this prayer to ourselves is, God, change me as you change this world. God, transform me from where I'm at right now with the struggle with the power of sin until the day that I'm freed from it. Act, God. Make this a reality that your kingdom might be represented in my life that Jesus might be my king that I might do your will oh more and more and more as well then as I go out into this world to transform what is you see my friends Jesus came into this world to bring the kingdom of God and he died and he rose again to establish it and he created his church to build the kingdom now I want to tell you if you consider yourself part of the church there again radical message and it's not just for us it is it is for you, if you are his. You see, we cannot go into the presence of God, recognizing his deep love for us and knowing the relationship that has been formed through the blood of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, and pray, God, let your kingdom come. God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and then do nothing about it. We can't. What we have to do is allow this reality to be a, a, a statement of, of, of radical re reorientation, of life reorientation, because it is the will of God for his people. Now, what does this mean? <laughs> Let me talk about first for you and for me. As I've said, we need changed. Anybody here not need changed? I need changed. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. I need changed. Ask people who work with me. Does Chris, yeah, Chris needs changed, right? Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> I love these people. I really do. <laughs> but we need changed. And when we open our lives to the, the kingdom reality and, and we come to believe in Jesus and the spirit of God comes to dwell in us and he has given that freedom in our lives as we are filled with him over and over and over again, day after day after day, the spirit of God will do in us what we cannot do our, in ourselves because we don't have the power. You see, the power of sin is here and our power is here. But the power of the Spirit of God is eternally greater than the power of sin, infinitely greater. Do you know the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life? Have you experienced it? Do you know it? And are you being transformed by that power of love and of grace so that someday greed is transitioned and it becomes generosity? It's not give me more, more, more. It's how can I give away to bring the kingdom, to create the kingdom? And we move from anger to the fruit of the Spirit, patience and kindness. 
We go from materialism to a love of God and a love of people. We value him and his kingdom more than anything else. And if we struggle with lust, my friends, we move from that to a godly sexuality that honors him. Oh, how he longs for that. Let me read to you Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24. Love this text. You were taught, Apostle Paul speaking, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness. There's that word again, and holiness. <laughs> Do you see off with the old and on with the new? Off with the way that we were born into, the power of sin, on with the kingdom reality, where we empowered by the spirit of the Lord Jesus to be transformed, to become like him. He is king. The kingdom comes as we live it out. His will is done because we have been changed. And you think of this world of ours, you know, where there was poverty, we need to end it. You see, whatever will be in the kingdom which is to come in its fullness someday, do you think there's going to be poverty in the, in, the, in the new earth, the new heaven and the new earth? Anybody think poverty will exist? You're right, because it won't. <laughs> and if that's the reality then, we have to work to create it now. Do you think there'll be people who are hungry when the kingdom comes in its fullness? No. And if that's the reality, we've got to feed people now. Do you think there'll be loneliness? And that's endemic in our culture, in the new reality God will create. The answer is no. And if, if we encounter loneliness, we have got to, when we encounter it, enter into that and bring the kingdom. Big reason why we're doing what we're doing downtown. Because there are people who are living marginalized lives, kind of on the street, who are struggling, and they are hungry, and they're living in poverty, and they're lonely, and we've formed community with them, and we're feeding them. Why? Because we're nice people? Well, yeah, I think that's true. But more importantly, because we pray for and long for the kingdom of God to become a reality among us and that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where there is spiritual blindness, oh my goodness, there's a lot of spiritual blindness in this world. What do we do? We let people see Jesus. We live it out and we tell them about him so that their eyes can be opened to see what they couldn't see before. So that they discover this relationship with Jesus where he comes by his spirit to set them free and to draw them into his kingdom. My friends, Moldova trip has just returned. You know what those kids did and the adult leaders? They told people about Jesus and they distributed Bibles. So the people who didn't see and understand and know before hopefully have come to see and understand now. That's the deepest need in a human being's life. And as those people's lives are transformed as they enter into the kingdom, you know what? <clears throat> they too will go out and they will change the world in the way that God longs for it to be changed. You know, we have lots of missionaries that we support in this church. Three of them are YFC workers. You know, Brett's here. I should have mentioned this to you, Brett. Sorry. I'm going to talk about you. But Brett oversees a, te a team of people of what, five or six? Seven, and they oversee more than 800 YFC workers in this country. They train them in an ongoing fashion to be effective. That's what Brett's job is. He's, what's your title? People development. I like that. That's catchy. 
And 800 plus YFC workers are working in this country with teenagers all across the land that they might see Jesus, that their lives might be transformed, that they might enter into the kingdom reality and become people who bring the kingdom wherever they go. Isn't that fantastic? And there are two other workers, Marcha working in administration now in the YFC office, and we have Brian Belleth, you know, working with 120 or so kids, most of whom don't go to church and they don't see or hear Jesus otherwise. And they meet in their small groups. I mean, they do their plays, but they meet in their small groups and they talk about Jesus, what it means to know him and love him and serve him and give your life to the kingdom. I mean, I could go on, but you see, the reality is we want people who experience spiritual blindness to see, and we're in on, with both feet on that dynamic. Where there is violence, we want to bring peace. Where there is sickness, we want to bring healing. Why? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Look at him. You'll see what we're supposed to do because he came to bring the kingdom. And in his coming, he brought the kingdom because he was the king. And in his dying and rising again, he created, he established the kingdom. And as I've said before, he gave his spirit so the church might be formed that we might build the kingdom. I'm going to read to you the first uh, sentence of our vision statement, and it is this. We see a thriving church where people are being formed. Is that you? Formed into spiritually mature followers of Jesus by the transforming power of God's word. You're listening to it being preached right now. The story is going to teach you it more thoroughly and deeply. It's that your life groups are going to study it on and on by the transforming power of God's word and the healing work of the Holy Spirit. Our healing ministry is growing and, and developing beautifully. Listen then, to, to what end? So that those people who are being transformed by the word and by the healing work of the Holy Spirit are living passionately to see God's kingdom come in every area of life. Living and praying passionately that God's kingdom would come in every area of life. That's the vision. That's the purpose. That's why we're here. You know, when you, when you enter into that reality, you gotta, you got to say, you know, what does that mean for, for the kingdom to come in every area of life? Well, your social life, when you go and have fun with friends, bring the kingdom. Bring the Jesus reality to it. When, when you go into your neighborhoods, what is God's will for your neighborhood? Have you ever thought about it? These things should be in the top of the list according to the prayer. You know, what does God desire? How does the kingdom come into your neighborhood where people come to recognize Jesus as king, and even if they don't, you still influence that place so that it becomes kingdom-like because his influence is felt. You know, what, what about the reality of, of when some of you kids go to school this fall into the university or even back to high school? Some of you going for the first time, some of you going second, third, fourth year, etc. That's a pretty hostile place to Christianity these days. But as you go, I want to tell you, you can go as a kingdom creator, a kingdom builder, because Christ's spirit is within you and you go into that place and you can love and show grace and care for the lonely and the broken and you can share Jesus by how you live and how you... And all of a sudden the kingdom, there's a little orb of the kingdom in that place. And God's will is done because you're doing it. What, what about this idea? For those of you who are business leaders, we have lots of people who are in business here and have your own business. How would Jesus want your business to run in a way that's different from the way the world runs your business? That's a challenge. I don't deny any of this is a challenge. This is, this is not an easy thing to kind of even figure out someday. But I'm telling you, if we are Christ followers, we have to run businesses in a way that are distinct from what everyone else does. We can't just be like the world because the world does it that way. If Jesus was running your business, what would change? 
A lot of farmers. What about the, the world of agriculture? How does the kingdom come in how you run your farm operation? Hmm. This is true in education. It's true in, you know, I've thought about management and labor. I just have this picture someday when, when the, the, new, the new heaven and the earth exist. I want to tell you, I think management and labor will have a different relationship. <laughs> it won't be this anymore. People fighting adversarially with one another. It's not going to be like that. And if you're involved in that process in any way, how can you bring the kingdom reality to that? How can God's will be done in those negotiations, an ongoing experience of life? What about this one? Politics. Oh, do we need the kingdom to come in politics? You know what I think? I think we need Christians in every political party advocating for the things of Jesus. Acting and functioning in a way that Jesus would function. Bringing to the fore the, the, the priorities that he would bring. I could go on and on and on, but again, my friends, we can't pray with all of our hearts that God's kingdom come and that it will be done on earth as it is in heaven and do nothing about it. It's our calling. It's to be our passion and our focus. You see the radical nature of this prayer? If you follow Jesus, you ought to be sitting there going, if you haven't really grappled with this stuff already, oh my goodness, I got to think about this. I really do. Because Jesus is calling us to something. He's prioritizing something way beyond our own needs. That's next week. You know, gives our daily bread. Forgive us. We'll talk about that. God cares. See, someday there'll be a world without sin and without evil. That will be gone, and the world will function in a different way, and we're called to create it in the here and now to the extent that we can. Um, I want to tell you too not only do you do it out there you do it in here in the church you see the church exists to bring the kingdom you know they're not the same thing right the church and the, and the kingdom the kingdom is broad <laughs> the church is part of the world in which the kingdom is formed by the church enabled by the power of the spirit we are to be a transformative force in this world for good so that God's kingdom come and that God's will be done Lots of churches don't bother with that. It's more of an internal dynamic. Not here, man. We don't go to Moldova and Nicaragua and downtown. We don't support, you know, missionaries because we have a passion to see out there changed and we have a passion that we might be activated, that we might become the people who bring the transformative reality into the world. It's who we are. Let me put it to you in this way. Fall is coming. Um, will your schedule be be centered on the reality of God will God sit on the throne and you're peripheral to him in order to serve his purposes bring the kingdom and bring his will is that how you're planning your fall schedule whether it be in family or otherwise how do you use your time will your energy be used to that end will your gifts and abilities be used to that end will you have that passion in your heart will your money be used to that end here's the deal if we are to hallow the name of God if we are to pray for and mean to the depth of our being that we want the kingdom of God to come. If we are to pray, Lord, your will be done, <laughs> we're called to a radical reorientation of life whereby, you know what, our schedules belong to him. They're not our own. Your time is not yours if you're his steward. He gives you time on this earth to use it for his purposes. Um, your energies 
It's not your own. He, he provides that to you to use for him, your gifts, your abilities, your money. We get stewardship when it comes to money. It's God's money. We have to use it his way. I want to tell you, our whole lives are his, and they're to be used, and, and all those areas of life are to be used for his purposes. You see, the, you see the overarching dynamic reality of what I'm describing? I'm talking about how our lives are to be lived as followers of Jesus. Here's my question for you today, friends. Has your life been radically reorient, reoriented around the reality of God's kingdom coming and his will being done? It's kind of like a yes or a no. I suppose people are in, in the process of transitioning from one to the other. But you get the idea of what I'm asking you. Are you living for yourself? And does your prayer life reflect that? God, give me because I need? Or when you pray, do you start... God, I recognize you're my dad and you love me deeply and you're going to take care of me and I can rest in you. And then the first thing that you ask for, God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Now, that's a big deal to be asked that question and to respond to it seriously, whether you do or not, it's your call. But what I, what I want to tell you is and I'm not speaking only to our church, but I think we live in a church, say, in North America where most Christians have not entered into that reality. Because if most Christians had entered into that reality, we would have a powerful church on this continent. And we don't. You see, when we come to that place where we say, God, my life is about you, my prayer is about you, my greatest desire is that your kingdom come. My goodness, and, we, and, and then we enter into that dynamic and live that reality. The Spirit of God would come and he would move in a powerful way. And we would see the kingdom come. Not in its fullness. That'll only come when Jesus arrives here on planet Earth once again. I hope it's soon, but we don't know. <laughs> All we know is what we're called to now. And if we would pray, God, your will be done, we would be giving ourselves not to the fulfillment of our will and our wishes, as we pray and as we live, but we would be giving ourselves to the fulfillment of God's desire that his kingdom come and that his will be, would be done. And I'm telling you, God would empower us and we would make, be a transformative force in the hand of God. See, my friends, we, we get to engage this. We get to engage this in the world, neighborhoods and school and all those places. We get to engage it as we empower people in the church and see their lives transformed according to the word of God. And it's not one or the other. We can do both. I'm calling you to it. I'm challenging you with this. How are we going to become the church which we can become? How is the vision going to be realized? By the way, I think our church is great and I love it. I really do. I think we get a great church. But we can go farther. And how are we going to get there? It's when the people of God recognize who they are and what their primary calling is in life. It's not to satisfy ourselves. It is to live for the Lord. It is to pray and then to live in such a fashion that the kingdom of God comes and that his will is done on earth. We can do that. And I am inviting you into this reality today. I am. What's your li life going to look like this fall? Step in. Run away. Live for Christ 100%. No, I'm going to live for me. What are we going to do? 
You know, my friends, I just sense God at work in our church, even right now. I sense a new reality forming and a motivation building and, and a passion growing among us where we say in so many in, in, in distinct ways, we are ready to step into the reality of what God can give to us. Let's make this vision a reality. Can I ask you to pray for that vision to become a reality? And can I ask you, my friends, to give yourself to that end, to live for Jesus, to make him central, to pray and to live that his kingdom come and that his will be done. Let's pray. Lord, if nothing else, uh, your words in scripture are challenging. But Lord Jesus, they're also exciting and dynamic and filled with hope and promise. Lord, we look forward to the day when evil will be destroyed, literally, and when our hearts will be changed and we only want what is right and sin will be no more and all those destructive influences which cause death and crying and pain just won't exist anymore and we will know the fullness of the kingdom and your will will be done in every regard. Oh, Lord Jesus, bring that reality. But we pray it not just for our future, but Lord, for our present. Come, we pray, Lord Jesus, and bring the kingdom now in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our businesses, in our schools. And Lord Jesus, use us, we pray. God, I pray for every single person who is here. No, every single person who is part of IPC. And I pray that you would work by your spirit and that you would give them a longing to encounter the reality of what's being described here. I pray, Lord, that they will pray with passion for the kingdom and for your will to be done, and then that they will give themselves first and foremost to the accomplishment of that vision. Holy Spirit, move us, work in us, challenge us, that we move away from sitting on the throne of our lives and having you peripheral there just to meet our needs to having you on the throne and us at the side ready to serve you in any way we can. Call this people in a new way, in a deep way into ministry. That this world might be made new in the name and the power of Jesus. This we pray in his name.